It's Vancouver's podcast on the Canada's Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. I'm Angela Fay, hub builder and co-host of British Columbia's podcasts, part of the Canada's Podcast Network, your source for great insights from entrepreneurs from across Canada. We talk to entrepreneurs who are making it happen here so you can listen, discover, and engage. I am super excited to have Andrew with me today. Uh, Andrew Gordon is a shareholder of a company called Piaro. It's a cannabis retail brand, and it derives from the Italian word, and I'm totally going to get this wrong, Andrew, so you can correct me, but um, Curo? Curious Curo. Yeah. Curio, I love it, which is uh, the Italian meaning is to emerge from darkness into the light. He's currently serving as senior vice president of retail operations and community, and uh, he specializes in organizational development, public affairs, community partnership, and industry performance. He's the, got a degree in political science, which would probably be a handy thing to happen in this sector right now. Also a graduate of BCIT, so British Columbia Institute of Technology's nonprofit management program. Andrew has successfully led the community Curaro uh, integration efforts for a number of private retailers across Canada, worked with a diverse array of patients, consumers, and regulators to build accountable, community responsible, and sorry, community responsive and financially sustainable cannabis retail models. Pretty interesting right now, of course, galvanized by the prospects of cannabis legalization in Canada. Andrew is personally passionate about working with community stakeholders across the country to help reduce social stigma and abate pharmaceutical drug dependence within communities, which, wow, that is, uh, I love uh, working with you, Andrew. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, it's, uh, you. can you give us a tiny little soundbite of your entrepreneurial journey, other than what I've just read on oh, how, wow. how we got to today at Chiaro? Yeah, I mean, you know, at the heart of it, uh, I myself am a, a passionate uh, cannabis patient and consumer. Uh, I used uh, cannabis back in university to uh, move away from a pretty debilitating pharmaceutical drug regimen. Uh, cannabis proved to be a very natural and benign and, and beneficial uh, offering to, to help uh, treat my symptom profile for PTSD. Uh, so for me, it, it comes from a, per, a per place of personal passion. And, you know, looking at the entrepreneurial journey into cannabis, I mean, you know, I, I did almost a decade of work in the nonprofit sector, raising money for hospital foundations and international medical missions, and really working for, you know, community-focused uh, causes of merit uh, that really made a meaningful difference in people's lives and improved, improved uh, health and wellness in my community. And I set myself a mission statement coming out of university, or actually while I was in university, uh, to really just focus on creating value and improving health and wellness in my community. And so I, I started in the nonprofit sector, um, a lot of the early retailers in the space um, were serving the community under the nonprofit model. So I came on board really to help with the governance structure uh, with an organization that was going through the municipal licensing process here in Vancouver. And uh, I really just fell in love uh, with uh, what dispensaries and what access for consumers meant. Uh, I really wanted to work to destigmatize uh, what it was to be a cannabis consumer um, and really to build, uh, you know, a sustainable enterprise uh, in that space. And, and, you know, there was a sentiment and a feeling in the air that, you know, legalization was upon us and that, you know, um, you know, this was going to be a real thing and happen. And it was just a matter of, you know, bringing professionals to the table to really deliver that uh, in an effective and efficient way. So, you know, my entrepreneurial journey really is, is you know, I'm, I'm a patient, I'm a consumer, and I'm a rebel at heart. Uh, you know, <laughs> at, at, for me, 
this is a great social justice cause as well. I find, you know, the prohibition of cannabis is one of those great social wrongs that I had a chance to participate in um, making right. And uh, I'm proud to say that I played, you know, a small part in, in the development of that process here in, in Canada. So for me, that's really what it's about is, is just personal passion and just uh, being a rebel at heart and, and, and pushing for positive, purposeful change in the community. That triggers lots of questions for me, but I have a curiosity. Um, prohibition and stigma used together, I think, is, is probably part of the problem. But what is the stigma that we need to overcome? Well, it's really that kind of blanket perspective on, you know, who a cannabis consumer is and what they represent and what they do with their lives. And really, you know, you know, looking at the history of prohibition in Canada, when you start to delve into that, um, mm -hmm. you see a lot of kind of arbitrary, one-way, one-dimensional decision-making in terms of, you know, really allowing, um, you know, a, a plant uh, to have an opportunity on, on the commercial, social, and uh, political spectrum to, to have a chance to serve the greater public good. And, you know, the history aside, uh, you know, stigma is, is really about, you know, meeting head on in, in a credible and considerate way, uh, the ignorance, indifference and inertia uh, that, that we face uh, as people who are passionate about the plant, about the movement and about access mm -hmm. uh, for mm -hmm. consumers or patients alike. And so just really being a great brand representative yourself and, and making sure that, you know, despite the fact that you consume cannabis, um, you know, the sky doesn't fall and that you can be a great husband, a great dad, uh, a great business person. Uh, you know, I've been, I'm proud to say I've been married 12 years. Uh, I have a beautiful five-year-old boy. Uh, I'm, I'm a shareholder and a significant contributor to the company, uh, Chiaro, uh, in a senior management role. And so I'm proud to represent that interest. And, and I really look to work with others that want to do the same and help others who are struggling rise up and, and really raise the profile uh, of mm -hmm. conversation and opportunity in the community. And so, mm -hmm. you know, the stigma we face is, you know, that we're, that we're stoners, uh, that we are, um, you know, again, non-aspirational, uh, incompetent, uh, you know, those types of things. And uh, when you start reading and learning about, you know, your endocannabinoid system and the power this has to really modulate homeostasis in your body. And, and just like if you have an iron deficiency or a vitamin C deficiency, um, you know, you introduce a supplement to get up to a point of equilibrium and homeostasis. And that's the exact thing that's happening here with cannabis. Right. Um, it's just the responsible use of that. And that is, you know, accessing that from credible, as credible sources as possible, making sure that that product is analytically tested and quality assured as, as much as you can as a consumer. Early on, that was difficult. Now it's great. That's, that's one of the great promises of legalization was to be able to deliver value to consumers and to communities uh, in that regard. And so you just, you know, you work hard with people around you to, to create positive change and, and to represent uh, cannabis consumers well. Um, you know, we're not here to blow smoke in people's face. We're here to have productive, positive conversations with regulators and community stakeholders. And, uh, and I'm proud to say we're, we're, we're at the vanguard of that movement and um, it's creating waves and it's disrupting, again, that ignorance, indifference and inertia that we're seeing mm -hmm. around what cannabis means, um, you know, commercially, politically and socially. Well, and if I, I could just throw a comment in there that, um, you know, I have not historically been a uh, consumer, but I, for the last 18 months, I've been doing research in anticipation of legalization in Canada to find a little bit more research for myself about the business. And it's big Thank business. You. It is big business. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. you know, it's it, even though we, we've come from a, an era of prohibition, I mean, the, from the medical use and or the multi-generational growers in Canada, 
you know, BC Bud is is world renowned, right? So it is. You know, I, I think we have so many assets to to build on here in Canada. I'm a little bit curious what your perspective is on you know legalization. Is it a step in the right direction? Is it sort of crunched everything to a standstill? I mean, really, what is the impact that it's that it's happening having on small business or big business in Canada? Yeah, great question. I mean, you know, legalization is a process. It's not an endpoint. Uh, really, the work began October seventeenth uh, of, la- of 2018. Um, you know, a lot of people in the industry that were from the legacy market really felt that that was the great consummation point of all of their efforts, and that it would be green <laughs> pastures and fields. I'm not sure everyone felt that way, but I, you know, I, I felt the sense of that kind of collective accomplishment. And then that kind of angst around what's next and, and how do we realize this opportunity uh, and maximize the yield uh, for everybody. And, uh, and you know, with respect to just to keep the scope tight here to small business, I mean, this is tremendous growth. I mean, under our feet right now in this province, um, you know, there's a seven, you know, five to seven billion dollar industry in this province in, in small production, processing and distribution. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's on the illicit side. And, and we have, you know, the opportunity through you know, reducing the barriers to entry and, and, and modifications to regulation to allow that industry to, to come into the light, to flourish, um, and, and to really create jobs, have economic impact, drive economic diversification, and uh, and revenue uh, through taxes, um, and, and the trickle down of, of really, you know, having a whole new industry blossom amongst other businesses. Uh, right. The communities that I've traveled to down south in Colorado or Nevada or California, um, sure, I see some, some great thriving cannabis businesses, but I also see a lot of thriving businesses around those cannabis businesses. You have a lot of young entrepreneurial spirit and energy in the air, you know, and again, the pick and shovel businesses around cannabis, those ancillary services um, represent, you know, three, four times uh, the economic mm-hmm. impact mm-hmm. value for Canadians. So it's definitely, you know, it, it, it resonates beyond just the balance of cannabis and cannabis consumers to really affect all industries. I mean, you're looking at, uh, you know, security, you're looking at legal accounting, uh, IT, um, and then within that, all of the amazing innovation that's going to happen as a result of, of the, the touch points with cannabis um, that really have yet to become sophisticated in their own right. Um, so we got a long way to go. We're still three to five years from really realizing the initial aspirations and then building an industry on top of that. So um, a lot of stigma still at the, at the regulatory level that we're, we're dealing with in terms sure. of advertising promotions. So as a small business, you you definitely feel a little bit restricted, but to have the opportunity to come out into the light and really, you know, begin to to express yourself in a way that is positive and purposeful and shows that to the community by creating jobs, driving uh, economic diversification and, and creating mm-hmm. tax revenue is all positive gain, uh, net gain for everyone. Well, let me just ask, you touched on um, innovation as, as uh, coming out of this process so far. What are you most excited about that you can foresee that down the track that maybe other people on the periphery, you know, wouldn't be able to see for themselves. What what does Andrew see? Well, I mean, you know, I really look at the emergence of 2.0 products, uh, so drinks, mm-hmm. beverages, edibles, non-combustibles in particular, uh, as having tremendous influence and impact uh, moving forward for the next three to five years. Mm-hmm. Not only just in terms of the revenues they're going to drive for the existing businesses in the cannabis space, and, and then some auxiliary bit ancillary businesses that will emerge, consumption sites hybrid licensing where cafes and theaters and things like that may be able to offer these types of uh, non-combustible infused products, but the innovation and technology uh, around that. And then Mm. to take a step further, the research and development, well, to take a step either behind or further, because it it usually happens before and after, 
Um, but the research and development, I mean, Canada is going to lead the world on this front. We're the first, uh, you know, G8 nation to, to embrace cannabis legalization and, and really realize the opportunity in, in a federally legal way, which really has ramifications all the way down, uh, you know, right down to the municipal level in terms of business and, and social uh, gains and impacts. So, you know, I'm excited for the research and development. I'm excited for these 2.0 products to really begin to compel and convert and cajole consumers into, into the regulated space. Um, and allow, uh, you know, cannabis to really, you know, come to its, to ferment into its, its full potential. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, again, having that full repertoire of products to be able to offer as a retailer, to be able to improve public health and safety by offering quality assured analytically tested products, to be able to erode the presence of the illicit marketing communities and, and keep it out of the hands of young people. Um, you know, those are goals that we look to meet every single day in our retail environments. And, you know, we operate in multiple provinces. Uh, in Saskatchewan and here in British Columbia, and uh, really, we really proud to represent those interests and to create that value opportunity with the community. So, specifically, where are you operating? Uh, great question. So, we are uh, live and operational in Vancouver. Uh, we have a beautiful flagship store uh, at Kingsway and Knight in East Vancouver. Uh, we have another location opening in Vancouver shortly in the spring. Uh, but currently, open operational. We're in Vancouver. We're in Victoria. Uh, we just opened there mid-January. Uh, very excited to be a part of that community. I went to school at UVic, and that's really where my love for cannabis was born, and, and where uh, I really, <laughs> you know, turned away from, uh, you know, uh, pharmaceuticals uh, towards cannabis to really treat my needs for PTSD, and and really learn about the the, the community of growers and and people who contributed to this industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's wonderful. So Vancouver, Victoria, then we're operational uh, in Port Moody here, um, uh, March twentieth. Uh, so that's exciting to be in that uh, community. The community there was extremely fastidious in terms of who they welcomed in, and we were proud to be one of two operators that they did. Nice. And then we are also open and operational in Saskatchewan. So we have uh, a store in Saskatoon, uh, one of my favorite cities in the world. Uh, and then we're also in Larange, which is about three and a half hours north uh, as you enter the boreal forest uh, and region in, um, uh, in Saskatchewan there. It's absolutely gorgeous. You're driving up there. It's like a Windows 98 screensaver with just rolling hills and clouds and blue sky. It's gorgeous. Uh, we also operate a wholesale business out there as well. Uh, so really meeting the needs of the majority of retail, uh, retailers in that, in that province. So it's exciting to be up and operational in Canada and creating value for consumers. And what's your, uh, does the sort of open for business, culture of a municipality have an impact on on your growth plan oh absolutely i mean you you, know, you look at uh, even licensing fees i mean they vary drastically across the various municipal mm-hmm. centers that we operate in in vancouver for instance we're dealing with like a thirty-three thousand dollar license per year uh in victoria it's, it's substantially less but it's still i, I think it's around the neighborhood of five thousand in uh saskatoon the first year was twenty thousand, and then renewal fee is only 85 dollars. so we saw some progress there as a result of some active lobbying that really informed the regulators uh they welcomed us in for that feedback too so i really compliment the city of saskatoon in that regard and then in larage we worked diligently right from the outset where the bylaws were formed really painting the picture of what the reality of the regulated environment entailed and uh showed that this was a business just like any other um, and so we were able to establish a licensing fee in the range of only $100. And they really saw, you know, business proponents first and, and not allowing the stigma to, to sway their, their opinion on, on, you know, the opportunity to take advantage of a cannabis operator. And not to say that, you know, municipalities that have high business fees are, are trying to take advantage, but they're definitely, I, I think, um, not quite understanding that, um, you know, the enforcement and, and, and the kind of the, the fear mongering that a lot of people have around cannabis businesses in their community um, is completely unfounded. 
we create a tremendous amount of value in terms of keeping it out of the hands of young people, eroding the presence of the illicit market, and protecting public health and safety. And we actually see in, in the stats that are released subsequent to legalization, you know, impairment, uh, drive, uh, driving-related impairment has an increase. And actually youth access and interest in cannabis, particularly in the age group of 15 to 17, has decreased 10% prior to legalization. So those are all really encouraging figures. And again, allow us to, to exchange a tremendous amount of uh, positive conversational currency with regulators and community stakeholders. Absolutely. So what, what piece of advice could you give or what would you love to share either to kind of high level Canada's open for business in the, in the sector or even at a grassroots level? What are the two messages that you'd love to share with a, with a big audience? Yeah, two messages. Wow. Um, well, the first, I think, and this is the biggest lesson I've learned in the last uh, year uh, would be learning the wisdom of being patient during times of inactivity. Uh, I really look right. at the, the development of regulations as, you know, it can really feel painful a lot of the time to endure, you know, the limitations around advertising promotion, to be restricted in your operating hours and practices as compared mm -hmm. to other uh, mm -hmm. intoxicating substances like alcohol or, or cigarettes. Um, but, you know, again, learning the wisdom of being patient during that process and staying positive and purposeful and, and looking to be collaborative rather than competitive. And then the other thing I would say um, is really it's better to be kind than it is to be right. And that particularly is effective with regulators and with community stakeholders, because despite the level of ignorance and indifference and inertia that you'll endure as someone in the cannabis space or, or even a consumer yourself, um, you know, blowing smoke or, or, you know, spitting facts or stats at people doesn't, doesn't win anybody over. They only remember really how you make them feel. Uh, and so if you can be kind and considerate and circumspect in your approach to their feelings and, 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 and the history uh, and the legacy of prohibition, uh, you're going to win a lot more people over in terms of really bringing them on board with the value that uh, the regulated environment creates. So really, again, just to recap, uh, really appreciating the wisdom of being patient during times of inactivity, and then it's better to be kind than it is to be right. Um, so, and that's so the Andrew, lessons I've learned so far. <laughs> there's, you know, I see a lot of momentum as far as resources and and uh, mediums and conferences and things. If you could pick two, you know, must read or absorb events or conferences, like I said, or mediums that somebody in the business of cannabis should know about either a periphery business or, you know, somebody directly involved, what, what would those be? Where do you, where will you definitely show up? Uh, well, I think uh, the lift, uh, lifting co-expo is a must. Yep. Like I, that for me, that's Christmas. I get my entire industry family together. We are organizing events and after parties and, and engagements and meetings, looking to build the capacity of the industry. Uh, there's a ton of media that comes around that as well that are looking to get, uh, informed and inspired around what what cannabis is doing. So Lifting Co Expo uh, that happens here generally in Vancouver in, in January, I believe, and in May in Toronto. Uh, those are the two main epicenters for it. An absolutely tremendous event, recommended every year, and, and we're seeing tremendous evolution in terms of the, the types of stakeholders that are engaged with that. And then, you know, in terms of publications, I mean, there, there's so many out there. It, it really mm -hmm. just kind of, you know, what, what message are you looking uh, to access? I mean, honestly, I would say go into your local retailer. Uh, whatever that is, your, your local yeah. regulated retailer, they're often the hub of exchange that'll bring together and curate a lot of that understanding for you. So, you know, obviously get out to the conference if you can, that's kind of the macro, but then take time to really visit your local retailer, um, ask questions. These are some of the most passionate people you'll ever meet in your life, particularly the private retailers. 
you know, they, they've sacrificed so much, endured so much, spent so much, um, and still endure a tremendous amount of uh, stigma as they, as they progress. And uh, to go in there and just really ask questions and be engaged, uh, you know, there's so much to pull from there. Uh, I know, uh, you know, Ben Miner on, on Sirius XM has a great show that's emerging in the cannabis space as well. I know there's a great piece inside the jar that, that's coming along, uh, Botanique Magazine. Um, there's a lot of a lot of great resources out there uh, to access. But, you know, the hub of exchange for it all is really a local private retailer. Uh, so I always encourage people, you know, even if you're not a cannabis consumer yourself, at least, you know, get informed and empowered with mm-hmm. the right information and meet people who, who are actually involved in the industry, not just people who talk about people who are involved in the industry. <laughs> go, out, go out and meet a private retailer. These are salt of the earth people who care about their community. They invest in their community. They're involved in their community. Um, and they care about the people they hire. They care about the people that they uh, curate their product assortment for. They have amazing relationships with their suppliers and they can bring a lot of insight and value to the table mm-hmm. for you as a consumer or someone who may have someone in your life that is a consumer. So that would be my piece of advice, really. Go check out Lyft and then go check out a local retailer. Well, I will for sure go into a Chiaro store just to check it out. Because if we meet Please. some salt of the earths like Andrew Gordon, it's going to be fantastic. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I, um, I'm mindful of time. I know it was, it was tough to catch your attention in between opening up all these retail stores. So I'm pretty excited to Forgive me, yes. Should you. No, and that's totally fine. I appreciate it, Andrew. I'm happy to come back on again. No well, and we all. will. I know we'll do some follow-up yeah. stuff. But um, my question to you is, how can we follow up with you post-podcast? Uh, well, you can definitely reach out to me via email. It's just andrew okay. at chiaro.com. Um, my social media tags, ATG Van City on uh, Twitter and on Instagram. Uh, my, at my Chiaro is our company's Instagram. Uh, so I definitely encourage you to check us out there. Um, and we're always in the media. So just Google search. Uh, there's tons <laughs> of great content there. Uh, we really try and put out positive, purposeful messaging and, and really shape the conversation in the right direction uh, so that all community stakeholders can feel a part of the conversation. And, and we're excited to be as inclusive as possible. We want to create an inviting and appealing and socially responsible model that really everyone can be proud of. Um, and again, we want to be that space that you're, you're okay with bringing your mom and your colleague or your brother yeah, to. Um, absolutely. You know, we really curate these spaces, these spaces as, as best we can with the design focused in mind to really bring the best solution offerings to the table to meet, uh, you know, consumers needs. And uh, we're really proud of what we've been able to deliver so far. Uh, are you allowed to tell, or is it a secret as far as where the next retail outlet's going to be? Sure. Uh, well, we're opening up in Port Moody, March uh, 20th uh, okay. is the date we have uh, for our soft opening. Our grand opening will be around uh, April 20th. Uh, in Nanaimo uh, and Vancouver are, will be our next two locations. Hometown, uh, and so hometown. those are, I know, exactly. I'm extremely excited to be there. Uh, <laughs> you know, these, are, these are, you know, ground zero for where the roots of cannabis have really cool. uh, been fostered and fermented. And so we're very excited to be a part of those communities. We'll be looking to that late spring, early summer. And, uh, and yeah, we'll keep you posted for sure. We're excited to be a part of every community we launch in. And, uh, and particularly with Nanaimo, we've built some great roots there. I have some great friends in that community. Uh, you know, we're going to be making some, some substantial contributions uh, to some, some really quality uh, endeavors uh, that align nicely with the official community plan. Uh, we're going to be contributing to the Housing Legacy Fund um, and really, you know, looking to create uh, collective solution building opportunities between not only industry uh, representatives, but the whole community at large. And, uh, and we're really excited uh, to be launching there uh, as soon as possible. And uh, we'll definitely keep you posted. Thank you so much. Well, and let me just say from a heartfelt is there's something in in this 
conversation, Andrew, that I haven't experienced before is um, how much community engagement you as a company, uh, which I'm going to actually turn around because you probably won't take the credit, but I will give you credit to say, you know, when you come from a nonprofit and a community building and a, and a passion, passion driven purpose, you know, it totally comes out in, in everything that you do, working with companies that you do. So congratulations on that. I'm honored uh, by that. Thank you. Yeah. Andrew Gordon, thank you so much for joining us here on Canada's podcast. And we will see you soon in Fort Moody and Nanaimo. Thanks for taking the time today to listen to British Columbia's podcast on the Canada's Podcast Network. We hope you enjoyed the show today. Make sure you sign up for our newsletters and write a review for us on iTunes. Connect with us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, or at canadaspodcast.com. You can check out what other entrepreneurs are doing across the country. I'm Angela Fay. See you next time.